Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Rising Ecosystems podcast, a bi-weekly show that delves into the world of startups, innovation, and the communities that surround them. I'm Alex Owen-Hunt, FDI's Global Markets Editor, and I'm joined by... Me, Jessie Bello-Perez, a tech and business journalist and editor of Unleash, which is a new media platform covering the future of work. And we're back. We're continuing our tour of rising ecosystems across the UK. And this time, we're off to Belfast. We are indeed. So already in our series, we've explored several UK startup ecosystems, including Cambridge, Leeds, Glasgow, and our latest episode in Birmingham. Please subscribe to the FDI podcast to get access to all our previous episodes and be notified about our future content. But now, this week, Jesse marked a year after UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson imposed a lockdown. So a year on, how are you doing? <laughs> what is time, really? I mean, <laughs> I'm OK. I'm just patiently waiting for the vaccine. Um fed up as I imagine everybody listening to this will be and just hopeful that there really is light at the end of the tunnel because I think if not then we're all possibly going to go mad. How about you? I think there's glimmers of hope. The sun is shining a little bit more in London at the moment. Um although, you know, classic with UK weather it's it's not it's never too hot. Um but no I'm doing fine. I'm I'm definitely looking forward to getting my vaccine, although I'm sure I'm pretty far back in the queue. I also have a sort of glimmer of hope in terms of my work setup. Next week, I'll be able to return tensively to the FT offices and very much looking forward to that and having some face-to-face interaction with colleagues. In light of COVID, of course, we are continuing to explore these startup ecosystems. Before we get into the meat of our conversation, any thoughts or impressions of Belfast from your reporting, Jesse? Yeah, so I have to say it's not somewhere that I've reported on heavily in the past, but is definitely something that's always been on my radar, particularly when I was at UKTN. And one of our guests actually for today is someone I've known since my UKTN day. So that's about five years now. And I know that he's been fully immersed in the ecosystem, but also he's been working in several other tech companies further afield. So I'm just really excited um, to get a real sense of what's going on on the ground and, you know, what challenges people are up against, but also what are the opportunities? And I know that you've been to Belfast as well. I went a few years ago. Um, Admittedly, I only really drove through it to go to a wedding in Donegal, but I would just love to go back. Definitely. I mean, I also uh, only sort of pass through Belfast. Um, Big caveat, at FDI Intelligence, we have a data team based in Belfast and some fantastic colleagues of mine, some great talent. So definitely excited to find out a bit more about the ecosystem in that regard. I suppose the the main takeaway, having not explored Belfast really in in that much detail when when I visited, is the countryside around the city is beautiful. But of course, we're here to discuss the startup ecosystem and the innovation all around there. So as you mentioned, we have one guest who I'll let you introduce in a moment. But our first guest is Jane Brady, who is the Digital Innovation Commissioner at Belfast City Council. Now, Jane brings a wealth of diverse experience, including 
being a partner in a venture capital firm, working in corporates in several countries around the world. And really, as her role as digital commissioner, has an overview of, of the intersection between the public, private and academic sector and, and how policy is trying to drive forward this innovation ecosystem. So Jane will have some very exciting things to say about the Belfast ecosystem. But who is our second guest that you've known since your t UKTN days, Jesse? Oh, mystery. Um, so I'm talking about Henry Joseph Grant, who is currently the CEO and co-founder at a startup in stealth mode. Um, but the reason why he's on the show is because he's experienced also spans several years across different companies um, in technology across several different other ecosystems in, in Europe. So interestingly, he was previously at Just Eat, which is obviously a company that most of us will know went public a few years ago. Um, he's also invested in some startups and he's also mentored several other startups through um, well-known outfits such as Pi Labs, which focuses on the prop tech space, but also Seedcamp, which was, of course is the London-based early stage startup investor. Fantastic. So clearly a wealth of experience from our two guests to explore the Belfast ecosystem. In fact, our chat with Jane and Henry was so engaging that we've decided to split this episode into two parts. So over the next 25 minutes or so, you will hear the first part of the episode and the second part will be coming out next Friday. Now, before we get into things, I need to give our data headline for the week. According to data provider PitchBook, Belfast attracted $56.4 million of venture capital investment in 2020, which was its highest level on record. So clearly, investors are seeing the potential of the Belfast ecosystem. So to find out more, I started our conversation by asking Jane to walk us through how the ecosystem got to where it is today. The startup ecosystem all starts with the people and, and the talent. And actually, Belfast has always, over you know, decades and, and hundreds of years, in fact, been a city of entrepreneurs and, and inventors. And it's also had a highly resilient spirit um, and endeavor as well. So I think that that's, that's where, it, where it all starts. Obviously, we have got you know, significant um, companies such as Hartstein, the first inventor of the portable defibrillator, um, recently acquired by, by Stryker as part of, part of that, that DNA and heritage. But I guess the areas that we have developed and, and become more famous for in, in other days has resulted from kind of long-term strategies, both with government and academia, both in our industry base, uh, to develop those, those clusters. Um, I think one of the key standout elements of those is in the area of cyber security. So investment decisions made 15, 20 years ago coupled with academia and, and with the public sector in terms of identifying those areas where we had nascent strengths, a lot of the background and networking and the investments that have been made in the FDI sector, the likes of Nortel and Fujitsu have brought, have brought those nascent strengths in networking, but also looking forward to the establishment of challenges such as cyber and what that might mean. And I guess future scoping um, that there could be opportunities for Northern Ireland and for Belfast to lead in those areas, so putting investment and uh, perspectives in place. And I think if you if you take that path and you look to where we are now uh, with one of the US FDI centers for, for cybersecurity, two and a half thousand professionals employed in that sector, where we have grown um, for, from that perspective is quite considerable. And that's 
allowed us to play a lead in that global sector. And that's just one of the sectors where we lead. There are also really strong bases in our health and life sciences, and of course in our advanced manufacturing, which has been built on the platform of our background in shipbuilding and in aeronautics and, and our strong manufacturing heritage. So again, bringing those strong platforms, but delivering those in, in the context of uh, a future looking um, uh, perspective of what will be the key technologies that we, we can develop um, to make us more competitive as we progress. I think also a key aspect has been the is looking towards uh, how we create that ecosystem and how we invest in the future. So I think the recent investment announcements in the city deals and growth deals across Northern Ireland, and particularly the one billion pound investment in the Belfast region city deal, which is investing in 350 million um, in digital innovation. That's identifying a number of key sectors. Um, and I talked about those strong heritage in our advanced manu manufacturing sector. So this will build a factory of the future in, in the Belfast region. There are three investments going into our health and life sciences, and we've all seen how critical innovations and technology has been in, in the last 12 months. So they will invest in clinical testing uh, as centers of excellence in connected health, but also the big data of health and life sciences building again on, on our cyber and, and our advanced um, um, electronics background. And then the fifth of those, I guess, builds on a really uh, encouraging new sector that's developed within Northern Ireland on the back of our screen and, and media heritage and our champion, um, the Game of Thrones through HBO. And it is a center of excellence for screen and, and, and media and creative labs, of which we will partner with very significant global players in, in our perspective. So the ability to see that actually we can develop the platform that we have in terms of our core sectors over the last hundred years and make those ready for, for the next generation um, of, of our entrepreneurs coming forward, but also look towards those new areas of opportunity, um, such as screen and media innovation, I think provides a really compelling platform uh, for what the future can look like in Belfast and, and in the Northern Ireland region. Well, that is really a fantastic deep dive and overview, Jane. Thank you so much and, and definitely sets the context for our conversation. I mean, about the screen uh, industries, we certainly have reported that on that in FDI Intelligence and its potential for urban regeneration and creating jobs. But uh, I'm really keen to hear an entrepreneur's perspective on the Belfast ecosystem. And I know, Henry, you mentioned you've been in many different hubs across the world and the, the several startups that you've been involved in. I wonder if you've been keeping track of the ecosystem and, and what your feeling is of, of being an entrepreneur within the ecosystem today. Yeah, thanks, Alex. Um, yeah, I mean, just echoing what Jane said initially, um, obviously tenacity and, um, you know, resilience is part of the DNA in the North, right? I mean, obviously with the legacy of the Troubles and the history of Northern Ireland, that's kind of part and package of the people, right? I mean, we're very much a hardworking, you know, tenacious group of people. Um, you know, what I'd probably really want to highlight is, is that the key thing is really how small the North is, right? Um, you can pretty much get anywhere within an hour or so. There's only 1.8 million people, so you know 70% roughly is working age. Um, it's a very close-knit, small place. And in my opinion, the Belfast ecosystem tag is actually almost misleading because many people who are part of it, key stakeholders, are from and live elsewhere all over the north um, and sometimes beyond with the diaspora, right? So there are many startups in Belfast who actually have very little of their operations in Belfast. And in re reality, they're based in places like Newry, Derry, the Antrim coast, etc. And I think um, as Belfast is a famous city, it's natural for it to act as a magnet for that reason, um, just as London has or Berlin has for the UK or Germany. I do think there's a key differentiation to be made here. There's a difference between obviously business 
and entrepreneurial entrepreneurialism in business and technology startups and that ecosystem right so i think there's sometimes a blurred line between both entrepreneurialism you know again it's part of the dna in northern ireland i mean whether it was the textile industry in Derry, um you know in the history of that that you know the agriculture industry the building industry etc you know the pharmaceutical industry in, in Uri, etc i mean there's been some hugely successful businesses that have came out of um you know very you know small towns and villages even um in the north um and also of course belfast is a natural um driver of that as well um you know i think for me you know being in other hubs as you called it around the world everywhere's different and i think obviously you know for me personally i've always had the desire to actually return home to do my startup to be completely blunt i actually thought it would be career suicide for me to do it um a few years ago um i've always kept my tabs on the ecosystem i've mentored probably upwards of 100 entrepreneurs over the years from the north and um you know some of the challenges that it was encountering you know um and look i mean it's not always going to be a utopian environment there's always going to be challenges um, but it wasn't actually that desirable for me to go back and do a startup there because I just felt that if I did, um, I would be four steps behind where I'd be in most other places, really. So, you know, it wasn't as attractive for me as the likes of Lisbon, Berlin, London, etc. That being said, you know, the great work that, you know, people like Jane is doing, you know, Intertrade Island, um, sorry, Intertrade Island, sorry, with their All Island Innovation Programme and the other stuff that they do. The two amazing universities in Ulster and um, Queens and um, a lot of the other stakeholders such as Ignite Accelerator and, you know, Raise and a few other people as well. It's really created a great collection of critical mass now in the technology startup space. And, you know, obviously things are really, really getting going now. As as Jane mentioned, obviously, you know, you've got a great cybersecurity kind of critical mass. But what I would say, um, because obviously I'm not on the policy side, um, (laughs) you know, I'm on the other side, so I can be honest as much as I want, really, without actually any kind of implications. I actually have always seen Northern Ireland as a bit of a service centre, right? So you've had the likes of, you know, the big four accountancy firms coming in, you know, getting exceptionally gifted and talented technical talent, you know, coders, developers, engineers, whatever you want to call it, for very, very little money, right? So our our actual brain drain of our diaspora has been huge over the years because if you stay in Northern Ireland for the beautiful lifestyle and the great people and the perks of being there, then it comes at a cost in terms of your earning potential, which is why obviously the UK, the US, Australia and other places around the world are such an attractive draw for people. Um, So, you know, over the last sort of decade, uh, I've been going back and, you know, really engaging with the ecosystem. Um, I actually set up a project called Peace Tech a few years ago, which was actually to build on the legacy of the Troubles. Um, and really use startups and innovation as a as a way to kind of unite people and um, and, and bring people together. Really, um, I actually abandoned the idea because I actually realised that I was actually in over my head because there's been people that's been working on the the post conflict situation of the troubles in Northern Ireland for a lot longer than I have. Um, and you know, even those guys that are obviously professionals in that field were really struggling to actually be able to you know, get that economical shift, which is a really part and parcel integral part of the actual post-conflict situation in Northern Ireland. Um, you know, and I think a lot of people presume that, you know, the troubles are completely over, etc. cetera. Um, and, you know, while that's largely true, um, there's still undercurrents of, um, you know, things that are not great about Northern Ireland in terms of the division and the politics, et cetera, which sometimes can create a lot of noise. Um, again, going back into my perception that it wasn't a place where I wanted to go and do business um, until, until I felt it was the time was right. And I feel that now um, I can hand on a heart say that the time is right now. Super special things are happening. The pace is really being um, lifted now in terms of actually, 
you know, equalizing the actual key stakeholders, um, you know, on a parallel with other ecosystems. And I actually feel to me that actually there isn't another part of the UK or Ireland, which is more exciting than Belfast right now. And obviously, as I say, again, it's a kind of a misleading term because it involves people from all over the north. Um, but I'm absolutely super proud to be back. I think it's a great place to scale. And I'm very confident we, I can actually create a world leading business based from there and scale from there. This is so exciting, um, especially like a lot of your story resonated with me. I'm not an entrepreneur by any means, but I do have I do come from a family uh, of on- entrepreneurs. Um, and you, as you know, Henry, I'm not sure if Jane does, but I'm originally Spanish and obviously have been in London for a several, de- well, a couple of decades now, actually. But the thing that you said about, you know, leaving um, what you call home and then wanting to go back and start a business there and you know but also having the fear of how that's going to pan out and work out um i think really resonated and i think that's really interesting i also wonder just on that note whether you're both seeing more entrepreneurs from outside of uh, northern ireland um, essentially go back home and start businesses there and what impact that's having in terms of employment and um, and across the whole ecosystem I also left Northern Ireland, it was during the Troubles, uh, and I didn't apply for any jobs here when I graduated because there wasn't both, I guess it was an instability, but there wasn't the opportunity to do world-class roles, in my view. And actually that is totally transformed. I cannot think of any were better um, in the UK or in the world that there is to be at this current system. And when I say Belfast, I'm, I'm talking again, the agglomeration of Belfast creates that focus centre, but this is an all Northern Ireland play and we need the scales of all our towns and our villages um, to, to, to make that happen. Um, just in terms of Henry's point, I just want to pick up on that in terms of that FDI and that services centre. And I think that just resounds in how great our people are, having worked at the first part of my career in that FDI element. Uh, 70% of our investors come here and reinvest really strong US FDI um, link which is really so critical um, with us, with, with the implications of the EU Brexit. So we've really great sounding point um, to be there. From a salary base, um, Henry's right, um, the, the, the salary bases within Northern Ireland are lower than they are in the rest of the UK, but actually on the ratio, the most recent ratios of salary bases to cost of living, it is the best place to work in the UK. Um, from that ratio, average salary around 45,000 for um, in, within that tech sector. And really interesting stats, as well from 2019 that showed that 25% of all jobs advertised in Belfast were in the digital tech sector, which is the highest in the UK as an overall whole. So again, shows that talent, demand, and, and, and kind of quality of life piece. But Henry's right, you, you can't just focus on one area of the sector in the industry, and we have to make this ecosystem work. And um, so along with those FDI players, we have to create the ecosystem for SMEs to compete for talent, but also to foster and develop programs that can allow them to flourish um, and, and to grow. And that's part of what we're, we're doing within the digital pillar within the city team, creating those investment, those challenge fund instruments uh, to provide investment into creating those clusters uh, um, and, and those environments. And, and I guess making sure that we have that right balance between um, the, the FDI multinational, which is a critical part of creating a cluster, but also um, making sure that's delivering um, as well from our local ecosystem and creating kind of those next generation of entrepreneurs. And just in terms of, of, of your point regarding the growth in, in the sector, when I started the fund in Northern Ireland 2013, very limited venture capital investment in, in that sector and stats five year, years later showed a tenfold increase. Um, and also over the last couple of years, I co-founded an AI um, startup within 
with now with, with my partner and actually the difference in that ecosystem that I have seen uh, from my earlier days in venture capital is, is quite incredible. The level of co-investment that we're seeing um, coming into no Northern Ireland from venture capitals outside of the area is really significant and, and it's, it's still early stages and we have much more to do, particularly in terms of diversity and encouraging more female entrepreneurs. But the indicators um, are, are very positive in that regard. And actually what's been interesting um, through the, the pandemic um, was there's always been a difficulty that money didn't travel. But from my own experience, seeing um, a fundraise during the pandemic, some of those barriers have been removed, actually. So I think that bodes well as well, uh, in addition to, to, to those broader kind of fundraising um, opportunities. And I guess those things have been created because the likes of those ecosystems, you know, 10 years ago, there weren't the incubators and um, the, the, there wasn't the Irma Baths, there wasn't Catalyst in, in place in terms of those level of scale. There wasn't those support ecosystems that Henry has, has spoke about. And also there's access to finance schemes that Invest and I have delivered within funds like Techstart, which are creating that early stage um, ecosystem development. And that's kind of creating that underpinning uh, piece for, for the ecosystem. Um, and I know in a recent Tech Nation report, they've looked and established Northern Ireland and Belfast as one of the key areas to level up. And they've looked at the ratios of those scale-up investments uh, and, and the state investments and the optimum ratio to scale-up as creating that platform for getting beyond those micro uh, startups into that scale-up sector. So again, for me, it feels like we are in a re re renaissance time for innovation, entrepreneurship and digital within the, the Belfast region um, and Northern Ireland as a whole. Fantastic. Thank you very much for going to such depth. I, I mean, this is actually a topic that we've we found in a lot of the emerging ecosystems we've covered in this podcast series about, you know, at the ideation stage, at the incubation stage, there's lots of support. But then when a startup starts to grow, starts to see its revenue, uh, you know, go, go in the direction that venture capitalists certainly want it to, um, maybe there's not as many resources to sort of accelerate its growth and maybe go global, etc. I, I wonder, Henry, from an entrepreneur's perspective, uh, what do you think the availability of sort of that later stage capital is in Belfast or sort of the, the resources available to entrepreneurs trying to take their startups to the next level? Yeah, good question, Alex. I mean, just just quickly, because you had a previous question that um, I don't think um, Jane fully covered. Um, so you mentioned, obviously, entrepreneurs returning to Northern Ireland. So there is actually some very visible entrepreneurs that have moved back recently. So Mark Dowd um, is a guy who's um, obviously involved in in Ormu Baths, which is kind of like a um, co-working kind of central ecosystem of um, uh, uh, Belfast. Um, so he's someone for me, when I saw him go back, I was like, wow because i really rate mark and obviously he's gone back now and um i think obviously you know we'll see that increasingly i mean you know people forget how many amazing people in tech are actually from northern ireland so you've got sarah fryers who's obviously the ceo of Nextdoor, who's formerly a, of a huge silicon valley companies etc so you know i've actually for many years obviously been mentoring entrepreneurs on the ground in northern ireland but obviously as part of the diaspora your opinion is relevant but unless you're in northern ireland doing a startup i think it doesn't really count if you know what i mean so um, so I think, yeah, in terms of um, going back to your second question, I think people need to really realize that it's not government's role to make a startup work. Um, you know, it's not the um, place of them to do that um, for you. You have to as to do it in collaboration with them, right? So late stage funding, Alex, um, for me is not a problem in Northern Ireland because late stage funding is predominantly number-based, right? So if you're growing 3X plus, um, of course, you are going to get a late stage funding because it's a business opportunity. I think where the big problem is, is in the early stages. For me, um, I'm seeing a lot of the great work that Invest and I do, Techstart, um, Clarendon, you know, some of the um, more well-known investors in Northern Ireland, but it's still a very small pool. Um, and 
one of the biggest um, gripes that I get from entrepreneurs that speak to me is, is that, you know, a lot of the investors in Northern Ireland are still asking them to do 100 page business plans, right? And, you know, in tech, you know, no one's going to read that. I mean, you're lucky if people read a 10 slide deck, you know, there is almost kind of a very old fashioned way of um, looking at investment opportunities at the early stage. That being said, there is a lot of angels. Um, across the north I mean there's quite a lot of wealth in the north right I mean from Derry to Belfast and in between and above and below you know and what's been very surprising for me is is actually um, you know that the pace is picking up for that now so uh, you know I've got a village where I'm from which is about a thousand people right and in the two next door villages people have recently told me that they're actually on an accelerator one's on Ignite another is my cousin and he's actually raising raising for investment for his startup so it's really really happening now um, but I feel that um, you know in Northern Ireland culturally the biggest problem is, is that actually it's quite a humble culture, right? So people don't tend to sing from rooftops about what they're up to naturally. And also, you know, it's kind of that you don't really self-praise. And as you guys know, in startups, you have to, <laughs> you know, obviously I'm not saying you're going to basically blow your own trumpet, but you need to be passionate and speaking from the rooftop about what you're building for, in order for people to hear. Um, and, um, you know, I think that is definitely changing now. I'm seeing obviously the, especially the younger generation actually really understand you know, what goes into making a startup now, obviously that, that information is accessible. Um, but I really feel, and this is going back to my previous point where I thought it would be career suicide for me to move back to Belfast. Actually, I was completely incorrect because I could have done it a few years ago, but I needed more experience where I needed to understand the process, what VCs needed to see. You know, I needed to understand, um, you know, obviously um, the kind of milestone men- mindset in terms of raising money. And and also, look, I mean, raising money is actually not what I actually see as a marker of success. I mean, it, obviously, it's, it's good in terms of representation and, you know, especially around equality for founders that are female or from underrepresented groups. But, you know, for me, um, what's important right now in Northern Ireland is exits. You know, we need to have successful outcomes that are actually happening very quickly at a velocity that we're seeing in Berlin, that we're seeing in London, etc. Now, when I say a velocity, you know, I mean like 10 years, right? I'm not saying overnight successes because that probably is not going to happen. Um, but I mean, if you look at Kano's, for example, Kano's is a um, technology company in, well, headquartered in Northern Ireland. Um, it was basically founded in the 80s as a joint venture between Queen's University um, on their commercialization arm. And um, I think it was ICL. Um, now, basically, that company is a global leader in its field now in the government sort of tech space and it employs over a thousand people in multiple countries. But it took probably 20 years to get there, right? I mean, obviously, you know, and 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 for me, really, what we need to do to get people excited about the Northern Ireland ecosystem is to create allies, right? To create world-class businesses. I mean, partly for me, you know, I think, you know, it's always a kind of flawed metric to kind of see unicorns as the only kind of um, example of success, um, because obviously, you know, it's, there's a lot more than that. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm seeing positive signs. I think, obviously, there's a few companies that I've got my own at the moment that are, at least 100 million and above in terms of valuation um, in, the, in the coming years. You know, I plan to build one myself, <laughs> so obviously, which is what I'm doing. In order to really, you know, get attention, I mean, we don't really need to be celebrating raises because um, that's just eggs. What we really need to focus on is how we're going to build the cake, what the cake looks like and what that's going to have in terms of a relay kind of effect, right? Because if you look at Silicon Valley, the reason why Silicon Valley is where it is today is because it was founded on the history of military investment. You know, they've had generations of commercialization of a lot of those technologies, also from, you know, Berkeley and Stanford, etc. And I feel that, you know, if you look at Belfast as kind of um, an example, I think it's probably, you know, like Silicon Valley 40 years ago, or in my opinion, what's probably more relevant nowadays it reminds me a lot of London in 2008 when I joined Just Eat. You know, Just Eat had no government help um, to become a... Well, I mean, along the way it did, but I mean, it was later. 
um, you know, we basically just really doubled down on execution. Um, we raised money on merit because obviously we actually did a lot of good work. And I feel that, you know, that's the that's the key, right? Is that obviously the the proof is in the pudding. Um, you know, we really need to create that kind of success stories because that will be what acts as kind of a magnet for future entrepreneurs to be creating companies in indigenous startups and also for other companies to come and base there as well. Whoa, so I said at the beginning that I didn't know much about the ecosystem, but I definitely feel like I'm walking away with a wealth of knowledge now, which is great. I don't know about you, Alex, but I think the biggest thing for me is obviously looking at the historical context and how that's kind of affected business and culture and people within the city and Northern Ireland as a whole, um, but also the geographic spread of it, right? So how obviously it's Belfast is such a plug and pull for talent and how people from outside the city are ultimately coming in and, and startups and tech and innovation is creating jobs. But on a more personal level, um, Henry said something that really stuck with me, which is ultimately that he for ages considered going back to Belfast, but kind of resisted because he thought it would be career suicide. Luckily um, for him, it hasn't been, which is fab. But as an immigrant myself, I just think that's something that's really interesting to me, just because obviously I've been in London for so long and I come from a very rural part of northwestern Spain. And, you know, the possibility of returning is always in the back of my mind, but yet I never really feel like I'm, I'm brave enough to do it. So, you know, people like Henry going back are going to have such a huge effect on the ecosystem, such a positive effect on that note. But what did you think? Well, what are you going to walk away with? I think what's quite interesting is that we focus on the city ecosystems in, in this podcast. But actually, as as Henry and Jane both said, you know, it's actually the Northern Ireland ecosystem as a whole with Belfast sort of being the main main centre of that. So it's kind of interesting that, you know, it's not just focused on one city. There are entrepreneurs all around. There was plenty there to, to pick up. I mean, you know, the, the potential brain drain from the um, professional services sector and, and the big four county firms in, in, in Belfast and potentially some of the entrepreneurs leaving. And perhaps there is a, now a critical mass, particularly in the cybersecurity sector, that really is bringing back some of the, the top talent to Belfast. Very clear that there's some interesting things happening in the ecosystem. And uh, I certainly can't wait to visit and find out more in person. No, me either. And here's to the world returning to normal. With that said, that's a wrap for the first part of our Belfast episode. Stay tuned for next Friday, as always, where you'll get to hear part two when Henry and Jane delve even deeper into the ecosystem in Belfast. Um, but to everybody listening from home, please make sure you do subscribe so that you can keep up to date with all our content updates. And we'll see you next time. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.